This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship, so you too can be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuro-emotional technique practitioner, and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another soon-to-be exciting episode of the You Winning Life podcast. So It is now the beginning of February. Whenever this episode is going to come out, it's going to come out. But you may have already heard people talking about the Clubhouse app. You may have already heard me talking about it, whether in a previous episode or um, you know, just checking out with me on social media. And one of the most amazing things about that is the people that you connect to in the most simplest way by just saying, hey, I would like to connect with you. And one of those persons is sitting across from me on the screen and across from us on the audio. And his name is Frank Sell. He is a creator of an amazing, amazing coffee company called Make America Grind Again, called, wait, wait, with the brand of Make America Grind Again, called Get Shit Done Coffee. He is also the owner of the site Home of the Hustle. So Frank, thanks so much for hanging out, man. And Jason, it's my honor to be here. Thank you. Cool. So, so we were talking about previously before the interview about our little bit of our educational shared similarities, right? I was sharing that at a 1.8 GPA when I graduated high mm-hmm. school. And the reason why I actually graduated high school was the dean of the school was a family friend and kind of was like, we got to let you, we got to let you go. You know, <laughs> um, I, I remember signing my name on my French final and walking out without doing anything. And that, right, I just right. did it. There was no chance, right? So the blessing of like having someone being like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to use this situation for good and like move you on was a really good thing for right. me, not knowing where I was going to be, what I was going to do, what I wanted to manifest and all that good stuff. So I want to put that onto your side of the coin and be like, okay, what was it that, you know, from that side of like going through high school, going into like college, what was showing up for you? What was going on in your world that, and then we'll lead into where you're at now. Yeah. So it was just really being present in life. Um, I didn't understand that, that it was presence back then, but in high school, uh, you know, I, and, and I actually just updated the bio on, on our website at home of the hustle.com uh, to kind of explain the story that, you know, like most of us, I was sold this idea, this dream of get an education or get a, a trade and then go get your job, you know, put it out, you know, do that, whatever it is for 30 or 40 years. So for me, I hated school like yourself is I almost felt like it was a mutual agreement. Like they, they were like, Hey, I'm tired of you. And I'm like, I'm tired of coming. So we'll just say, we'll just call it a deal. Um, and you know, and I graduated, um, but I took advantage of a vocational program and I learned how to weld. And so, cause I knew that further education, college education was not, it was not a, a you know, a good investment for me. Um, you know, I wouldn't apply myself. And so I learned the trade and that's what I did. And then it didn't take, you know, too long. It was, it was probably uh, about five years or so. And I realized that that dream that I sold as well, no longer existed in this world. Um, and so we see that every day now, you know, people putting in 30 or 40 years as one, one company just doesn't exist. Yeah. So when you're going back to this idea of you choosing to go into a trade, which I'm a huge fan of, and you mm-hmm. know, the challenges is that a lot of those trades are no longer being supported by the economy. Right, especially right to mm-hmm. 2020, So people need to like the new trades and the new uh, technician, new vocational skills is actually all tech, right? Is all the STEM stuff and mm-hmm. graphic design and marketing and branding and, and, and website and all that stuff. At that time, A, what was it about welding that 
called you? What was like the dream that was sold to you? And what was it that actually called you to pick that over everything else? I knew I could always be employed because that was my mindset back then, employee mindset that I could always go out and make money somewhere. Um, you know, because welders, you know, and it's, you know, with the current, uh, current administration stuff, we see how that, how fragile that is, you know, and that was one of the things that, that I noticed the last job that I had was I started in Valentine's day, 1994 was when I started it, I was 18 years old. They had a 30 year retirement program, everything I was told I was supposed to do. And then a few years later, they sold the company and it changed, you know, when the, when companies get sold, they need profit and they need, you know, to move the numbers around and make it look justifiable. So what they typically do is they adjust the benefits package and so uh, they changed the benefit, the retirement age from 30 years of service to you have to work there until you're 55. You know, and here I am, maybe 24, 25 years old. I've already spent five years with this company. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm not going to work until I'm 53 and haven't changed a deal on me again. And so that's where I just kind of had that epiphany that I need to take control of my sovereignty, my future, and, you know, either either quit complaining about it or do something. Well, I love that term that you just used, the the, the title sovereignty. So what does that mean mm-hmm. specifically to you? Because that's such a like a salient title and word, because I, I know that like once we start dancing in the entrepreneur space, we start becoming responsible for our own outcomes. And, and my belief is that when we make decisions based on core values, and then we hold ourselves accountable to those core values, that's when we truly uh-huh. become sovereign, right? That's really becoming entrepreneurial. And it sounds to me like you right. went through that journey yourself. Like, I don't want anybody else to determine what my outcome is going to be, what my fate's going to be, right? And I hear this a lot of times in like, let's say the education world, right? That they're like, well, we want something better, but they keep changing our vacation and they keep making us have to do more paperwork and they keep, but our salaries aren't going up. And mm-hmm. there's this fear of like, well, what are you doing it for? Well, health insurance. Okay, well, how much does health insurance really cost you a year? And how can you hustle on the side or create something different that will negate the cost of being afraid of not being able to have health insurance? And that's why I love hearing from people like you who've created something to say, I'm going to get out of that fear factor and go to the other side of the mountain. So what was that mindset for you to say? Like, like when you had that aha, like I know you said like, yeah, I know they're going to move maybe this, they're going to move the yardstick a little bit more down the road. What was that actual moment where you're like, okay, I'm going all in on me. I was standing underneath this parts rack at the job that I had when I had that, that epiphany that, you know what, I, I'm Frank Sell and I'm just going to, you know, no matter what, I'm just going to make this happen. You know, and I didn't have the depth or the, the breadth of the like the spiritual understanding, like we were talking before the show. And it, it's a really deep rabbit hole. So I mean, we'll caution your listeners, man, grab, grab a rope or make sure somebody knows where you're at. Cause this rabbit hole goes deep. You may get lost in it for a while. But at that time I said the sovereignty, I knew that, you know, that I knew that I was built for more than, than where I was at in life. The people that were doing what I was doing 20 years longer than me didn't have the results I wanted. And so, you know, like for me, I just, I saw what was around me. And, you know, for me, I, I made kind of like the decision that, you know, my hands are pretty smart. So I, I'll just teach my hands a new trade. And so that's what we, you know, on the, like on the coffee you're talking about on, on every product that says beat the damn street so hard, they send you a bill for the potholes. So I, I literally, I bought a hundred dollar VHS tape. It was that long ago as VHS tape on how to fix hell damage on cars. And so I watched this tape and then I trained, you know, I just taught myself how to do it. And you know, eventually one day uh, I volunteered for a layoff because I wanted to kind of take that path. And then, you know, eventually it just finally, you know, there, there's a lot more to the story, but eventually they called me back to say, Hey, we want you to come back to work. And I just like, no, I don't think I will. I, I, you know, I, I'm going for it. Um, so that was March of 2003 when, you know, when that happened. 
Um, and so ever since then, we've been self-employed and in and, and the entrepreneur, entrepreneur spirit. So was there like a dollar ratio of like, I know that if I do one job by yes. myself, it'll equate. <laughs> and I love this number that like when I really sit down with people to figure this out, like it just becomes so mind boggling to them. And I'm not a math guy. I still use my fingers to like count for a tip and thank God for the tip applicator on, on the tip app. But like, but like it's such simple math that when you realize that like you're getting X amount of dollars per hour at your job, if you can replace working X amount of hours somewhere else, that's probably a third or a fourth less, or maybe even three quarters less what would that be that right. would give you that simplicity? So did you kind of go through this math of like, okay, like, so I know they're paying me this and this is what it breaks down to an hour. And here's, if I do this, right, this thing that I learned on the VHS, I can make this and I only need to work X amount of hours to make what I'm working full time. Mm-hmm. No, I had, that's not me details and stuff. Like, so what I did is, is I knew that the guys that were doing what I was wanting to go into, they made six figures a year. I knew they made a hundred thousand dollars plus a year. And so that's literally all I did was I set the goals. Like, okay, I want to make a hundred grand a year because I know somebody else is doing it. And I know my hands are way more talented than theirs. I know that, you know, I have, I will not give up and I will work my face off to make this happen. You know, so for the first three years or so, that was, that was all I did. I just, man, I, just, I cashed out my 401k, all my chips are in and just really started hustling. You know, I was very fortunate. I said, I cashed out my 401k at 20, 27 years old. It was my age at the time I had, you know, $45,000 in my 401k. You know, so I, I bet everything on me and said, there's a hundred thousand dollars that's available. If I, you know, do these certain things in a certain way and provide enough value, then eventually I didn't, I didn't understand like the depth of, of, of all this, but I just knew that if I go out, service enough people, beat the streets, that it's going to happen eventually. So you took 45 and made it into a hundred, right? So that, that's a logical price point yeah, paradigm, uh-huh. right? Which a lot of people are so afraid. So what was some of the fear points for you? What was some of the self-doubt, the the nagging behind that might have been there that, you know, you had to overcome to go all in? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Man, I'm just, I've been asked that before and stuff. And I, I'm just blessed with the level of ignorance, not known to the average person. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that was one of the things too, is just that my belief in myself, you know, it, it overshadowed um, all of that. You know, because other people had enough fear for me, you know, and, and that's one of the things I've learned, like, you know, listening, uh, reading the books, you know, seven habits and different things, you know, that they may love you, you know, and, and their criticism and stuff may come from a place of love because they're afraid for you. And I had enough people telling me that, you know, my, my dad's like, man, you're almost vested. You know, we used to hear that back in the 1900s. You, you're almost vested in your job and you get retirement. And, and like you're talking about insurance, I haven't had insurance for I don't know, probably 15 years. I haven't paid for health insurance. I have not been sick. I rely on assurance, making sure I, I eat good, making sure I take in good things to my mind and, my, and everything else. Um, same thing with my kids. You know, we and so you know, it, it was just realizing that do you have the results that I want in the specific area that I want? I, di- I didn't know how to how to explain this back then or understand it, but I felt it that you don't have the experience in the area that I'm going into. So I appreciate your input. But I'm doing this anyway. <laughs> oh, I so get that. I remember a few months ago, I sent um, a clip to my father. And my family is a third generation furniture business. And it was started by my grandfather after he escaped Nazi Germany and came to Pennsylvania. And then we moved it down here. My dad t- took it over. And then my brother and sister took it over subsequently. And I sent him something from like the podcast. And like, it was like the immediate thing wasn't like, oh, this is really cool. Who was that guest? I like what they said. It was like, you weren't looking directly at the camera. And I'm like... <laughs> 
Right? No, that's not what I was sending yeah. it to you for, right? Like, and and I know, yeah. like, you know, it's just there's like a mindset from previous generations or people who are like, I love hearing the thing of like where people tell like that story of like they're driving around with a family member or a child or a grandchild, like, see that property over there in 1962, I could have bought that property for ten dollars. <laughs> Did you? Right. No. Right? And they're so stuck in this old story of what could have been. And it sounds to me like you went, you moved from that it could have been to, like you said, I'm taking this stance, planting my flag in the ground and saying, no, this is on me. Yeah. And what I found out through, you know, through moving forward, um, it's a process that I call, I, start, I started getting understanding of who's thinking and thinking because like what you're talking about, you know, is we get our, our social and our emotional, all of our programming from zero to seven years old. And we just repeat that programming over and over with in our relationships, our children, our business, money, everything else. Because like you're saying, I, I just had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day. It's like, you know, I have to watch myself because you know, I see like my children and it's so it's so crazy how everybody and every person in, in this life is they have an agreement to participate with this in a spiritual sense. And so I can see my children wanting to push away from me. And I realized I was telling my girlfriends, like, you know, I got to watch myself because I have this habit of being critical. Kind of like you're talking about mm-hmm. um, with, you know, your eyes not looked at the camera, you know, and I see that from my father and I see that passed down to me. And it's it's from a place of love, but it doesn't feel loving. Right. And so I have to watch that. Right. It's the languaging and the scripting that we're passing out. I remember sitting in a therapy session with one of my clients. I don't know how to be like eight years ago. And I remember sitting back in my chair and scratching my elbow in a certain position. And I'm like, Uh my elbow doesn't even itch. And oh my God, my, my, I, that was like, and I had a flash of a memory of my dad as a little kid when I was a little kid, like sitting there in the chair and like scratching his elbow. I'm like, and it was like, what's going on that I'm being triggered to get there. Right. In that space. Right. And, and it really had, it wasn't his fault because there was no negative implication to it. It was just like how quickly we mirror and we resemble things that are our previous generation, our stories and our heritage and our culture that we have to unpackage to become much more living in our potential. Some of those things are great things that we want to amplify. Some of those things are neutral, right. like that body language type of thing. And some things are really not healthy that we have to, we have to continue. So, so like what's like from that? From those ahas that you had, what was the next step that that took you to? Well, I get to decide at that point, I get to choose because, you know, as we're talking, you know, it's, I had a friend of mine, she, she explained to me, it's called the Jahari window, but it's like the four levels of knowing stuff, you know, four levels of consciousness, four levels of awareness that you don't know what you don't know. And at that point, it's fine that you are, you're an asshole or that you screw things up or you do different things because you didn't know. You know, but once you go to the next step is you don't know what you don't know, then you know what you don't know. You become aware of these destructive behaviors or these behaviors that are not moving you forward or causing you to do more work. Well, then you have a responsibility to either do something with it or continue going around and doing these things, which is not really fair to, you know, to you or other people around you, which is kind of like the epiphany I had at work. I realized I had, you know, I had this decision to make. I, I finally saw that what I was doing was not going to get me where I wanted to go. So I had to either just suck it up and just, you know, go back and do do this job for another 30 years and hope hope I could get retirement uh, or I could take action. And so that's, you know, for me personally, spiritually, you know, in, in, in business and life and everything. So you go to the next step of the window is that you know what you know and you kind of think of like a toddler when they first start walking they're all wobbly and they have to think about right foot left foot and their balance and so that's where for me like i i came for me i came to christ like in march of 2013 and i started to go through and study and learn about the disc profiles and all these different things and realize that i'm a high d person you know personality you know naturally and i can get shit done 
but I also leave like a, a trail of blood behind me. Right. Yeah, it's re- regardless of who's chaos got mode. hurt. Yeah, chaos mode. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna make it happen. There's a brick wall. Who's running through it with me? You know. So then the next step is is you refine it even further. That you just you don't know what you know because you know it so well. It's it's become a part of your genetics and part of your DNA, um, and it's just a natural aspect of it. And I love seeing that because I remember like as I was doing my my therapy practice and realizing like I was on the pain point of it, where I was like, okay, but I'm also taking out my garbage and you know, wiping down the doorknobs and, you know, all of these things that I'm like, this is not what I went back to graduate school to open up a business for when even before that I was working at nonprofits and I was making less money, but I wasn't doing that stuff. That was someone else's job. And I had this idea of like, I'm avoiding going into the family business because of, you know, whatever challenges. And therefore I never identified as an entrepreneur. I never identified Mm -hmm. as a business owner, right? And I think because of those beliefs that I had that were false kept me away from really stepping into growing into my potential, not only as like from the financial side, but even becoming an even better therapist and and, an entrepreneurial coach for people was because I was avoiding an unclaimed part of myself that I needed to figure Mm -hmm. out. And I need to, right? And I had a friend of mine brought who like for two years, like you should go to this conference with me and it's really cool. And I'm like, entrepreneurs, like everybody in Miami is a (laughs) douchebag. Like I don't need a Lambo. I don't want to show off my Lambo. I don't want to be like, like, like it was just so like that was like I grew up as a scholarship kid at a private school where, you know, uh-huh. my parents were getting divorced during that time and I was on scholarship and like, you know, someone got a Range Rover for their first car. Like it just wasn't yeah. in my mentality. And I'm like, that's what that's what money represented to me. And therefore, right. like I had this unconscious block that money means be a douche versus money right. means I could be the person who helps someone like me get a scholarship. And it was like, right, that's how loaded it was. It wasn't the, oh, but you can help people get scholarships to school. It was, don't turn into mm-hmm. an a-hole. Yeah, and I, I have, you know, kind of a similar story, maybe on the flip side of that, is that, you know, my, my dad, he he grew up poor, you know, at 14 years old, he left home and he's been on his, on his own ever since. And so, you know, to him, money, money meant security, money meant love, money meant everything, because that was the safety of being able to eat, be able to have a place to stay and live. And so growing up, to me, I didn't understand it, but there was more focus put on money than anything else. Turn the lights off. You know, you're wasting energy. Don't don't waste the water. Well, you're not wasting water. It takes money to buy those things. And so there all my life growing up, it was always like, How much can we save? How much you know, I can build this and take me three days to build it, but I saved five hundred dollars, you know. So that was implanted in me that money was more valuable than me or, or, you know, life or experience. And so for the longest time, you know, I, I grew that, that original business, um, you know, to where I could earn multiple six figures a year, you know, using my hands, you know, so we, we've literally, you know, earned millions of dollars in, in revenue. It's, it's a vanity number, but we've earned that, but I, I didn't, I don't know if I had like a, a negative mindset towards it, but I never put that money back to work you know, for me, which is what, you know, a, a true entrepreneur should do. So you can expand because eventually you run out of your own energy. And so I, yeah, it's something that obviously I'm still processing and moving through, but starting to get a discernment between income and cash flow and revenues, because most of us are taught income, you know, a dollar figure per year, per month, um, instead of thinking of ways that money comes in. Right. And it's usually the way that we're trained is that you have to learn a specific trade field, whatever it is, and you put your output of time in exchange for that dollar amount coming in. And I love that whole e-myth uh, from Michael Gerber perspective. You yeah. have the entrepreneur, uh-huh. the manager, the technician, right? And the technician can be 
a surgeon making, you know, mm-hmm. four, three, a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars an hour, or it could be a four hundred dollar an hour attorney, or it could be a eleven dollar an hour right worker or a person making a barista at Starbucks. But those are all technicians, but they can only make to the cap amount of hours that they're able to work, and never more mm-hmm. than that, right? And and once I learned that mindset of like, oh my god, like you know what your personality is suited for, because some people are really amazing technicians, and they're gonna and they should be bonused and and and, and given the right amount of money for that. Um, but if you're a manager and you're really good at organizing and stru- like me that's not my side. I'm, I'm either the entrepreneur. I have the great sides or I have the great, you know, hands on. But once I started learning that and seeing like, I don't have to be everything. I don't have to be my marketing person and my management person. And I, I have to start leveraging out in order for me to have free time. And it comes in stages, right? I feel like every year or two, there's another layer of the onion that I'm peeling away about that. So you're constantly recirculating uh-huh. that thing. It's like right now in the middle of the pandemic, I'm like, I have no more room for more clients. And mm-hmm. I need to start figuring out a way to drop my least, uh, my least paying clients so I can make room for a higher paying client. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, but I don't want to do that because I'm like, well, I'm leaving money on the table. So now I'm in the process of bringing in one or two associates that, and everything's virtual now. So it's not like I have to pay for mm-hmm. rent for an office, right? It's pure profit for both of us. So that like, it's changing that mindset that I have to be all me. That solopreneur right. versus being that mm-hmm. entrepreneur. And, and I really do that. So when, do, so, so let's talk Java. Cause this is like, you know, this is, this yeah. is the, the exciting. So when did that happen? When did this idea start formulating why coffee and, and like talk about like where, where it is now from where it was just a, you know, a brainchild. Yeah. Man, it's just the life of Frank Sell. <laughs> so from being self-employed and working with my hands for so long, you know, I, I began to realize how fragile that lifestyle was because it was all dependent on my ability to work personally. You know, if my if my family eats, you know, it's all dependent upon me. So I, I had started later than I wanted to. Uh, you know, I should have had investments going that that pay out dividends or rental property, something, but I didn't. And so the next best thing for me to do was leverage social media. So we started a Facebook page called Home of the Hustle because I didn't know how to market or how to brand uh, or how to you know sell a physical product type thing. So we started this Facebook page, which is kind of like the podcast, kind of like what we're doing here. And we would just interview people live on Facebook and provide value. I had some buddies, we got together, so we'd have a different person every night, a different personality. And also it would expand the network through all of our audiences. And so through that, I started a beard oil company. So when you grow a big beard, so if you're listening on this podcast, I, my beard is probably close to a foot long. You know, it actually, and if you're you know a guy, you understand that when you start to grow a beard, it itches because it dries the skin out. The hair pulls, it, it pulls moisture from the skin. And so my partner at the time, I told her, I was like, I was going to go buy something, uh, you know, to, to help grow my beard and stop the itch. And she was really into holistics and everything. So she said, no, I will make it for you. And so she did, and it was great. And the first night that I used it, I slept really good. And I asked what happened. She said it was the essential oils. And I said, oh, okay, so it's like a facial diffuser. And she's <laughs> like, yeah. And so the Baby Beard Club is a product line of beard oils that leverage essential oils, their therapeutic effects versus just the aroma, which most companies, they market to the machismo of a whiskey barrel this or a tobacco that. And so through just through networking, um, I met some some guys at a at a local networking event. They own a, a contract canning company, a coffee company. And so we just become friends and they have, you know, some beards and they like my branding. So one of my beard oils was called Get Shit Done because the, the oils help you focus and concentrate. Mm. And so they like the product, they like what I stand for, you know, make America grind again and the hustle and all that. So they were buying products from me. And I like coffee, so I was buying their coffee beans from them, which is, that's not their main product, and I'll, and I'll explain that in a minute. 
So they're buying beard oil from me. I was buying coffee from them. And one day I ordered stickers to give away with our beard oil orders that just said, get shit done. They're like little three inch stickers. You know, we've all got a product and we got stickers with it or something. And I also ordered coffee beans for my personal use from my buddies. And so this box of coffee comes in and my stickers come in the same day and it's sitting on my desk. And I thought this would be kind of funny to put a get shit done sticker on the, the back of the bag of coffee. And I put that on Facebook, that picture. And people were like, is that seriously get shit done coffee? How do I buy that? <laughs> like, hold on a minute. I took that picture and I put it on the website for Baby Beard Club. Um, and so that is how we got into the coffee business. I called the, called my buddies up. like, hey, man, I'm selling your coffee. And they're like, awesome, bro. How much do you want? I love it. We were going back to like beard oils. I have a buddy of mine who's in Houston. He's a musician, uh, Joe Buchanan. He was on an earlier episode. And he is known for his cookie smelling beard oil like that's just like you know joe's in the room when you smell like who's baking cookies and it's like that's like (laughs) that's his like signature smell right and um he's an americana musician down in houston and um it's so funny like this beard like i like we're joking i can't grow beard for the life of me and so i'm missing out on that whole industry but i know it's such like a such a thing it's such a like people are all in and like i've seen like they're like is it this one do i use that one like it's it becomes Mm -hmm. like a little bit nerdy in a great way about man tell me about it (laughs) yeah yeah so and the uh, i was really passionate and i still am passionate about the beard oil because it aligned with my purpose at the time was what i call armored up man and it goes back to that that wisdom and discernment of who's thinking are you thinking because you know as a society you know we we just take it for granted or we're just unconscious about this programming from zero to seven years old that we get and we never take it upon ourselves to get our own understanding of life for sure so using so leveraging the coffee now like so what's going on actually with the coffee business present like where's that at yeah and what's the next steps yeah um so when i started selling their their get shit done coffee beans you know just in conversation joking around their their main business is contract canning cold brew coffee. So on the video you can see behind me, I have uh, a rack um, full of cold brew coffee cans. And just a conversation one day, I said, you know, a get shit done cold brew coffee would be awesome. And they're like, yeah, we agree. So here's here's the options. It's either going to take, you know, $20,000 to develop a, pr- a proprietary formula. Or if you want to wait a few months, we're developing a couple of formulas that I can just private label, meaning it's their formula. I just use their formula and put my label on it. Um, so initially, like cold brew coffee, the first you know few, few flavors that I tried, I'm like, man, I just I can't believe people buy this and pay for it. It's just it's bitter. I, I just didn't I didn't appreciate it. it's not for me. Um, but when they come out with these new roasts, these new flavors, which is more kind of like a sweet cream, what they call a latte. I'm like, holy crap, this is good. I will drink the heck out of this so I can sell it. And so that's where September of last year, we were able to get everything together. Um, the process, man, it's, it's way more to it than what I, I thought. Um, but you know, in September, I bought my first pallet, get shit done cold brew. Uh, so I, if you have this on, on a video, you can see there's a can of coffee. Uh, and so I bought that in September. There's 2,304 cans on that pallet. And I started selling it really quick. I had no advertisements. I was just building up hype through social media, Facebook, about really just not even hype, just telling the story like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I believe in. This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. And there's enough people that that felt the same way that I did, that they want to go do something. And they they really, you know, bought into our story and what's happening that I bought that first pallet and then 
quickly I realized, man, I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna sell out. And so I bought another 600 cans. So in five weeks, I sold 3,000 cans of coffee um, with no experience in the business, no nothing other than just beating the damn streets so hard. I swear I get a bill for the potholes. And, and you know, we sold it online through homeofthehustle.com. Uh, everywhere I'd go, my, my kids and I race motocross. So I, I bought branded banners and canopies. And I would sell it at the races. Um, and so what my initial mindset intention was not necessarily to make money with that first pallet, but to get attention, mm-hmm. which it really, it, that's what it did. Um, so we ha- were into some, some retail stores locally. We still sell online um, until right now I'm in negotiations working with a distributor to sell the product at a, um, a pallet at a time. So from September of 2020, I went from selling cans and cases to now in February, we're working on selling pallets of product. That's insane. Talk to me about the marketing side of this, right? Because you said like you know, the motocross and the, and and the you know the, the the sign behind you, "Make America Grind Again," does speak to a spirit, uh-huh. right? It, it speaks to a particular uh, population of society. Uh, like right. where where are you finding that? Because again, like in the generic thing of even someone who's like not you know, in alignment with the original statement of that. Yeah. So you're like, oh, that's really cute. Uh-huh. That's really like, you know, that's a kind of a cool, that's a good play on that. Right. Are you finding that there's polarizing people, like it's polarizing people in any way from that, from that type of stance? Or are you finding like, you're like, I just don't really care if they don't want to buy it, if they don't like that, 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 that phrasing, or it's like, are you, mm-hmm. or is it finding a way that you're getting beyond that? And it's kind of like, no, it's like, you know, we're going to grind and we're going to do it like the way we used to do it. And we're going to do it better. Like walk me through like that mindset of the marketing and the slogans. Yeah. So like the make America grind again, obviously it's, it's a play on the MAGA make America great again. You know, so I have people directly ask me, it's like, Oh, you're a Trump supporter. I'm like, no, bro. I'm what's best for America. If it's Trump, it's Trump. If it's Biden, it's Biden, you know, but we're seeing, you know, nowadays in the marketplace that, you know, and, and this is my sentiment, that, you know, a hundred years ago, we didn't have time to, to bitch and moan about this stuff because we're busy working. We're either you're plowing the fields or in the factory, we were doing stuff. And so that's what it's about is, you know what, this is how we make America great again, is we get out and we grind again. We do what we're, we're here for. We do what we're specialized in, you know, and we, and we go out and we fix this thing from the bottom up. And so for me, that's going out and selling a hell of a lot of coffee because on every can, you know, it, it has the messaging, get shit done. It has the messaging, beat the streets the hardest, send a bill for the potholes. On the on the side of the can, it has one of the things that I've learned about life is that do it scared until you can do it skilled. Um, you know, and it's got a little piece of scripture from the New Testament that Galatians 5.1, which is, you know, for freedom's sake, Christ set you free. Therefore, do not let yourself be burdened again by yoke of slavery, meaning mm. whatever it is, whether it's laziness, whether it's addictions, you know, break that damn bond and get out there and get shit done. I love it. It's so like the, the mindset component. And, and we were talking about this pre pre show, like the mindset of entrepreneurship is like mind boggling to me when done right. And I, and I don't think I've shared this in a long time on the show. Is that like why the podcast is really on four main things, right? It's psychology, spirituality, as it means to the person, entrepreneurship and um, integrative and alternative medicine is that those are the four pillars. I strongly do believe that people need to master in order to live a successful, healthy, potential filled life. Mm-hmm. And the key component behind all those things is the commitment to doing any of those things is just not come up with an excuse to like let go of that old story 
that they're carrying in any one of those verticals, right? It's a spiritual story, or it could be a psychology story of family trauma, or right. I have, I mean, I've had just the amount of like the interesting people I've had on this show that have like trauma, or um, I have someone who's a paraplegic who shot at a party when he was a kid, and he's now like a marketing person and a rapper, and he's still doing all these things and huh? and an advocate, and he's like like literally killing it when he was like you know made paraplegic at a party that someone brought out yeah. a gun and shot right. And it's like what it's all starts up here, mindset wise. Uh-huh. And 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 yes, we need these mantras and and you know and, and it's playful and it's probably the get shit done and let's grind again and home of the hustle. Like those are brilliant, tactical, action oriented statements. And my belief is the more time we spend contemplating, is the more time we spend away from our purpose. In other words, you eventually have to move into action step. And one of my mentors, Dr. Scott Walker, who's the founder of this integrative medicine modality called neuroemotional neuroemotional technique that I do, says the universe always rewards the action step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally believe that, and it's something that like, if you go back to my my social media profiles and stuff, I talk a lot of times about opportunities, not the opportunity, because opportunities are everywhere, but nobody takes action on the idea. It's just taking action. I, I was on a clubhouse. Um, you know, like we were talking about Clubhouse earlier, it's it's an app where you can get on there with mostly entrepreneurs and stuff. But this lady was going through like beginning an entrepreneur process and, and you can kind of hear some self-doubt. And I'm like, look, man, the number one validator of your business is get somebody to hand you money for your idea or your product or service. You quit going around asking people that haven't done what you're going to do. So it goes back to our earlier conversation. They may love you and they're afraid for you. But number one, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to get shit done, go out there and just find somebody to, willing to give you money for whatever it is, your product or service. It's over. I'm, I'm having a flashback to literally my first cash paying client. I was probably, I don't know, a number of months out of graduate school. And I did like, I don't know, extended, it's an extended session. It was longer than an hour. And the person at the end of the session handed me a wad of cash and I get back in my huh. car and I'm like freaked out. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why do I have all of this amount of money to just sit there and talk to them? Right. And that was like a noob, mm-hmm. like a really, really straight up noob mm-hmm. therapist. Right. And like, like it just was the most uncomfortable feeling that I went right over to Best Buy and I bought the older version of an iPod when it was still the scroll wheel. Right. I'm like, I, oh, I, yeah. I felt like it was like contraband. Like I was doing something sinful and I didn't want to have that <laughs> money because that money represented like, what am I? Right. And I like, I'm like, okay, well, at least it's not like, I felt like I was laundering it, you know? <laughs> Uh-huh. And I and I realized like thank God I love like that that story is you're you're refreshing that in my mind by what you just said to be like where I'm at now where I have on my website a line in the sand that says if you're shopping around looking for the most affordable therapist and coach I'm not it right right Which, right that it, juxtaposition it, from 2005 mm-hmm. 2006 to 2020 2021 right it took me 15 years but it took me 15 years it didn't take me 17 and it didn't take me 20 it didn't take me 30 right. I love that. And that's something that I think is ingrained in us also is that, you know, people tell us to be humble. And to me, I, at this point now, because I went through that, you know, that process, you know, me coming, coming to faith. And then to me, I felt like, a you know, a, a castrated bull. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do, how to be in, in, in the world. And so like, for, you know, for me at this point, I don't, I don't worry about being humble. If I get out of line, if I, if I get too big of an ego, too big of a head, you know, God's going to strike me down some way or another. I just go out and, and show up like like you're talking about and you know kind of and learn my value in the marketplace um, and so that's that's something I see a lot of people kind of stuck on and hung up on is is that you know we're trained to be humble you don't really 
know, if, if you start digging in, you know, I, don't, I don't think if you're in process, that shouldn't be something that you really have to think about. You just show up as your true authentic self uh, and you'll be just fine. Well, that takes a ton of work. And there is like that, that humble brag or that, you know, the false humility that we're seeing a lot in the entrepreneur uh-huh. world. And um, I don't know if you connected with uh, Zach Babcock on any of the rooms and uh, yeah. yeah. Right. So he's a buddy of mine. And um <laughs> You know, he's like, he and I were joking. He's like, you can't fake a Lambo on Clubhouse, you know, and like, you're going to see who's the real dude and who's not the real deal. Right. And, um, I, I think it's learning and growing of like getting over your insecurities and realizing what the value that you bring to the table and what makes you mm-hmm. uniquely positioned to bring that to help someone else. And obviously, right. You're leveraging your expertise in exchange for some type of transactional, you know, right. Whether it's money or product exchange or whatever it may be. But I think like everything that we, me and you are doing is trying to bring that out of people in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll share a story real quick. Um, you know, so I was on a podcast. It was March of last year, March of 2020. And I had met this guy um, just through networking uh, and all these different things. But I got invited out to an event in San Diego as e-commerce, you know, selling stuff online as marketers and so on. And here's this guy. He, he sells, you know, 10 million plus dollars worth of products on Amazon a year. He's a, gets paid to coach, has all these masterminds and stuff. So, you know, I say that to, to kind of paint the picture that the guy is doing financially pretty well. But he invited me to come onto his podcast because of my $100 videotape story. And so, you know, the, the humble, the false humility like you're talking about, it had me weighed down because I was stopping the flow. So I was on his podcast. And it, was, it was a video kind of like we're doing now that I could see his face. Here's this guy that, that more likely he makes, you know, a million dollars a year or close to it, you know, selling products on Amazon. And his face lights up when I tell him how I had this idea that I, had, I made the decision. I bought a hundred dollar videotape and I just started hustling and I could see him light up. And it's like, wow, man, this, the world needs this story. And that's like our coffee product. What I noticed with the coffee product in our story is I'm really selling permission. I'm selling permission to go out and pursue your idea, your potential, your relationship, you know, whatever it is, you know, just do it scared until you do it skilled. You know, selling permission, and if you want to buy my coffee, that that's great too. Yeah, I, I I couldn't have said it better. That was just so embodied of everything that I'm I'm hoping for as as a therapist and as a coach, and then helping people get from point A to point B with simplicity and realizing that how awesome they already are, and if they only stop telling the story that they've been telling, all the stuff is already there waiting for them in escrow. In escrow. Uh-huh. So yeah, let's drop some links. So you have the podcast, we got the website, we got the coffee. So where can people track you down? Where can they buy the coffee? Where can they get the beard oil? Let's, let's, let's drop all those for people. Yeah. So anywhere, social media, um, Frank sell S E L L, uh, it's, it's all mixed up junior and one, the Frank sell and I know Frank sell, you'll find it, um, or home of the hustle on, on Facebook and Instagram. And so I have a, a couple of different websites set up, just home of the hustle.com. Um, they'll take you to our coffee page and we have some, some apparel. You can, you can buy a shirt with my, my face on it. <laughs> it says notorious GSD. Um, and then babybeardclub.com if, if you want to go purchase some beard oil. Awesome. Frank, thank you so much. So for anybody who's gotten any value, first of all, I don't know how you didn't get anybody who listened to this episode and didn't get anything out of this episode. You and we need Frank and I need to sit you down and have a good conversation, but there's so much really that this mindset of getting, getting past the walls and this, the insecurities and, and going all in on yourself is really what we're, what we're all about. And if there was any value for this, or if you know someone who would benefit from this episode or any other episodes, please, please, please drop it to them, send them a message, send them the link to it. Um, and if you really loved it, take three minutes, go on 
iTunes, leave us a start and written review. That's going to help this get in front of other people um, who can benefit from this as well. And Frank, so glad we connected online and now we get to talk in person and can't wait to see more happening on your end. That's totally my honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.